Hey, Ryan. Yes, Andrew. Why do you have such a big erection? Because Gawker is dead. Let's all masturbate. Welcome back to the Explosion of Happiness podcast, episode number 47. It is time to talk about video games and be very happy. It is August 24th, 2016. I am your host, Ryan. And in this weekly podcast, we chop off a limb to get a fucking, honestly, a way better one and talk about video games. Andrew, how does it feel living in a world where Gawker Media no longer exists? I, I, I wanted this to be true. Oh, sorry. It's, this is very emotional for me. Oh, my God. Uh, the instant that Hulk Hogan had sex with that dude's wife, I was like, who cares? Nobody cares. This isn't a new story. And, and I saw oh, Gawker try and make a new story out of it. I'm like, well, that's the kind of piece of shit company they are. And to have that be their undoing is... Like, I, I know that there's a void now, and somebody's just going to come in and fill it, but Gawker was shitty. Kotaku was shitty. Fucking Jezebel is disgusting crap half the time. <laughs> and to have those gone, even if it's just temporary, it's it's nice. Oh, it is so nice. Oh, wow. Okay, I thought Vice was also a terrible site, but here they have an article titled Vice to Gawker, Fuck You and Fuck Your Garbage Clickbait. <laughs> I love it when shitty websites tear into other <laughs> shitty websites. I was going to say, I don't think anyone on this earth is sad about Gawker going away, except for when I typed in Gawker into Google. The first article I came across was Gawker is dead and appreciation, and it's by the Washington Post, another shitty news source. So there you go. And then they go on to write about how Gawker made a lot of great things on the internet and how they inspired lots of great writers. And even though they wrote really bad things, sometimes they inspired everyone else to be better and become better writers. And that, I think that, I think they kind of have it backwards. I think it was actually the other way around. And I'm, that just sounds like one of those really hollow, like copy paste. Like they just have that in a word file and all they had to do is fill in Gawker. Yeah. I will say the people that are probably really upset are the people that work for Gawker. Cause if I was a piece of shit, talentless hack who was skating by day to day, not doing fucking anything and just pretending I knew how to write a news article when I had no fucking clue how to write a news article. And it was plainly obvious, but for some reason my bosses didn't know and they kept giving me money for just doing fucking nothing at work. I'd be really upset that Gawker's going away. Cause there goes your meal ticket. Who's going to fucking hire you now? Funny you say that. Normally I say it's very tasteless to celebrate someone losing their job, but in the case of the writers for Gawker, I'm actually very enthusiastic about them all setting out to begin their new careers as Starbucks baristas. I think they're all going to be really good at it. I think they're going to get jobs garbage men because they're really good at handling trash. (laughs) Oh, fucking burn. I can't top that. To quote this final line in the Washington Post article, it says, Gawker and its writers, despite some steps backwards, made the web better. It made the web what it is. And the fact that they're stating that as a good thing actually kind of proves that Gawker actually did some irreparable damage to the web the way it is. And they set things in motion that will probably never be reversed. At least, I mean, I would hope to see that. I would hope to see clickbait become a thing of the past someday as I get older. But, I mean, let's be real. I think it will, but something's going to replace it. And it's just a, it's, these things are cyclical. So something's going well, to, yeah. some new fad will catch on and it'll go yeah. away. But the new fad will be equally as annoying. Nothing is forever. And when people say all good things end, I like to look at it in a good way and say all bad things end too. We're actually Everything living, ends. Yay. We're living in the universe of Dark Souls. There's always an up and a down. There's always a cycle. You can never escape it. But yeah, anyway, that was kind of the big thing. Actually, I don't know if it happened this last week or I think it might have happened right before our last podcast recording, but I forgot to bring it up. And yeah, it's a great thing. Everyone is celebrating. Everyone's happy. The media company that bought it, they're just 
Uh, what, they, ripping out the assets and getting rid of the everything else? Or Apparently. I thought they were going to just salvage it, maybe restructure it, but keep it going. But it looks like they uh, are scrapping everything completely. Nice. And thank God. Basically, it was them trying to just fuck over Hulk Hogan, and then he fucked them up like a true American. Yeah. And, that whole story is so fucking... I... I really, oh. I have no patience or tolerance of anybody that wants to take the side of Gawker in this debate. When people are like, oh yeah, but Hulk Hogan said some really mean things. And I think, it's, no, fuck you. That was a private situation. They smuggled in a camera without him knowing it. They recorded him having sex without him knowing about it. Believe it or not, people do behave differently when they think they're in privacy. Everybody does that. That Gawker tried to use the excuse that they were expressing free speech by putting the videotape out, and fuck you guys for even trying to use that Look, as an argument. Sure, you, they would have been able to use that if if the first time a judge gave them a court order they t- to take it down, they took it down. The instant they left it up, when they got that court order, and then posted articles mocking the judge, saying they're going to do what they want and they can't be punished for it, at that point, they deserved every single ass-fucking they got afterwards. <laughs> you mean Gawker thought they were above the law? Yeah, they acted like Crazy. It. The hypocrisy about it, too, is because one of their sites, Jezebel, when the fappening happened, posted about how fucking terribly sexist it was and how demeaning to women and objectify women and it's all wrong and it's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And then they turn around and they solely do it to Hulk Hogan. And it's okay because it's a man. Actually, the reality is it was okay because they were making money off of this one and they weren't making money off the fappening. <laughs> because For guess them. what? They had no moral standards. The only thing Gawker Media cared about was making money. And that's why they had fucking something there to represent all sides. Because they don't care what your opinion is. They just want you to click on their links and look at their ads so they get money. I just want to take in this moment because we're never going to have an opportunity to talk about Gawker again unless they just kind of, you know, respawn in something horrible. But Well, they will. I mean, it, they won't, it won't, obviously won't be called Gawker. And it'll take a while for the new It thing to come up, I'm sure. But there's going to be there's going to be a new Gawker. There's going to be a new Kotaku. There's going to be a new Jezebel. There's going to be a new whatever fucking other one. Didn't they have, like, a tech site that was really shitty, too? All that, <laughs> all that stuff is going to come back. So, Do, do you know they uh, tried starting a new blog called The Cuck? Right before getting shut down, what? it was it was supposed to be a blog for men called the Cuck. That's really weird that they tried to open a blog called the Cuck for news stories for beta males because they already have that. It's Reddit.com. I'll applaud you for making that swish. Nothing but net. Oh, oh man, I'm on a fucking roll today. Yeah, you are. I'm just sitting back with a beer and just taking in all the happiness, all of it I can get. Yeah. I, I did. I do want to say regarding going back to the whole Gawker thing, the whole legacy, the story. It's like an episode of like Law and Order with how fucking scripted it feels. Because it's like at some point, you think somebody would have realized, "Hey, Gawker, you need to stop being so fucking dumb." But they didn't. It was like set up. It was like a fucking storybook thing. It. Was, oh God, I love it. They have video clips of the trial up on YouTube, and there's a few like from Hulk Hogan, like getting the right to dress up as Hulk Hogan, because. <laughs> That's a legitimate thing. It was, I can't remember his real name, but that wasn't the, the that wasn't the suit. That wasn't the plaintiff. The plaintiff was literally Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, because it was Hulk Hogan's career that character that pretty much got killed off by them. So he was allowed to dress up as Hulk Hogan in a nice formal look and go to the fucking trial in character, which is amazing. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> the fucking pieces of shit frat looking boys that were like editors at Cocker and just them getting destroyed on the stand. Eh, it was 
I, I very much enjoyed watching them go down squealing, pretending to be victims. The bad people won today, ladies and gentlemen. It's like I said, I don't know anyone who I actually count as a human being that cared about Gawker going down as in like felt sorry for them. The only people I know of are like other editors to other sites similar to Gawker or influenced by Gawker or somehow networked with them. They're the only ones who give a shit. There is no one with an actual soul who is sad about Gawker going away. Yeah, because the other soulless people are like, oh, you guys made so much money. That really inspired me to be a soulless husk of a human being and live off the misery of others. Make money. Delicious money. Hulk Hogan for president. That's all. So did you play anything this last week? Um, well, because it's our 47th episode, I felt obligated to play Hitman, so I played some Hitman, and I realized why I haven't been playing so much Hitman lately. It's because the game keeps fucking crashing. Uh Uh-huh. Like, it crashes, like, five times on me every time I try to play it, and that's why I kind of put it down. It's still a fucking awesome game, I think. I still only have the first episode that they released because there's so much content within it that I don't feel obligated to pay for any more episodes. I might just wait for the full game to come out and just buy that. Granted, my PC is about five years old at this point. It is not exactly perfectly optimized, and it likes to crash on certain types of hardware, and that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I tried to dive into that in order to prepare myself for the new Deus Ex, both of which are kind of very sandboxy approach however you want games in the same vein, both by Square Enix. I feel like I can't really make any hard claims about the game until I play the rest of the content that they're putting out, but um, I think the game is getting ragged on a little too hard by most people. Everyone is treating the new Hitman like his dog shit. I would not be surprised if, after finishing all the levels that they come out with, that it's, even though it's a true Hitman game, it might be not as good as Blood Money and even Contracts and 2 before it, but it's still a really fucking good game, and it's kind of sad watching it getting shit all over, especially considering Hitman Absolution has such high reviews on Steam and everywhere else, and this new game that came out with is so much better than Absolution. Even just with the first, like, $10 worth of content, it is so much better than that entire game. It is kind of sad watching them just take a dick because of all the, the practices around it. Well, it's funny you bring up uh, Hitman, because I bought Blood Money on your suggestion. Uh, I haven't played it yet, but I do have it downloaded on my PC, and I plan to go into it after I beat Deus Ex. Because I assume that, like, I, I really, honestly, 100% do not even remotely know what Hitman's about, other than that you're a Hitman, and it's an open sandboxy game. But I think it's a little bit more lighthearted than Deus Ex with its super heavy Illuminati plot and all that shit. Because I've seen some goofy shit of that on the internet. Hitman has always had a lot of dark comedy in it. Um, yeah, which I, I think, appreciate. I think Blood Money probably was the most comedic contracts was super fucking dark hitman 2 i don't know like like yeah the series it's it's mostly very serious it's it's played very straight but then there's just moments of really funny shit that happens or that you can do and the humor injected in it is just very tastefully done nice yeah the only other thing i play this week besides the obvious is uh i put in a couple more hours for no man's sky uh, I think I'm up to like seven or eight hours. I think I'm good on that game until it gets some updates. I might, when they have updates come out, I might look at it some more. But yeah, for right now, it's just like procedural generation means jack shit if the saying that's getting generated each time is exactly the same thing that got generated last time. Like on a technicality, you can say it's different, but if it doesn't feel different to just a person playing the game, who cares? I also tried to pick it up and play it a few more hours. My ship got destroyed, and I found myself in need of all these resources, and I was like, fuck this. I will say, though, as you get closer to the center of the galaxy, you tend to run into more uh, lush planets with lots of plant life, and I found a lot more pretty planets as I was going my merry way. But well, yeah. I'm glad to hear that shit gets more lush, because I feel like every planet I visit is red, blue, yellow, or green, 
with mushrooms and rock formations. Yeah, I found some really pretty plants where I was at, and it was what made me want to keep going. But once you're trying to upgrade your shit to a certain level, you need to find more specific rare resources that cause you to have to hoard a lot more, and it gets kind of stressful. And you find yourself aimlessly wandering around just hoping to find shit, and it just kind of drags. Um, but yeah, I think No Man's Sky will continue to be a game that's like easy to pick up and just play casually for like an hour here and there, like every couple of weeks or something. Yeah, the mechanics in it are so incredibly shallow that even if you didn't play the game for a year and you picked it up exactly where you are now with all those systems to repair, you'd be able to do so pretty easily because the game's so shallow and yeah. not fun. True. And then that leaves, uh, we both. I think we both played about the same amount of time of Mankind Divided. My initial thoughts on that game are it's... Cutscene heavy to start off with, which kind of made it, like, as soon as I finished the, like, intro and the train cutscene, I was like, I'm done. I need to put this on a short break, but I liked what was there. I liked that little intro segment. Yeah, I don't really mind, like, the actual cutscenes. I kind of like them. I've never really cared for the in-game things where it, like, locks you into a view and you can only look around for, like, five minutes because then when you replay a game and you get to those segments, like, cool, I, I guess I'll go jack off the other room for, like, <laughs> right. ten minutes while this game plays itself. The only two things I can say about Deus Ex so far is it's surprisingly well optimized and ran surprisingly well on my computer for how pretty it looked, and the stun gun is absolutely fucking worthless. Yeah, I knew that from the first day. Well, not the first one, but I knew that from Human Revolution. I went for the, uh, dart rifle. Are you talking about the original Deus Ex? Or the- no, this one. I went for the dart rifle in this one. Oh, like the sniper thing. Yeah, okay. because from Human okay. Revolution, I knew the stun gun fucking sucked. So when I was given the choice of the stun gun in this one, I said no, because the stun gun fucking sucks. Okay, yeah, see, I forgot that, and then immediately regretted it when I'm, like, standing three feet away from a guy, and I'm shooting, like, five times, missing every time, going, well, great. Yeah, the thing just- with the stun gun is if you're going to stun somebody, it's close range. You may as well just fucking run up to them and press Q. Yeah, I'm confident it's probably going to be a good game. Did you want to talk about the pre-order shit? Uh, I don't know if you've heard or not, but if you pre-order Deus Ex, you get a ton of bonuses. That includes credits and Praxis kits. It turns out those credits and Praxis kits are one-time use only on one save file. Oh, yeah, yeah, I read that in the reviews. Yeah. When I switched on the game, I was like, I can't help it. I have to look at the user score before I start the game just to know what I'm in for. And, oh, shit, it's mixed. And I read, I'm like, okay, it's all pre-order bonus complaints and mostly that. Yeah, those seemed really fucking shitty. I'm just trying to ignore all of them. Yeah, like, same. I don't like that. I don't like pre-order bonuses that give you a ton of strength that right away. Uh, Dragon Age Origins, despite how much I've seen its praises, does the same thing. Where it gave you really strong armor right off the bat if you like pre-ordered it or got the special edition or whatever. And it kind of made the early game sort of suck because every time you got a sweet piece of armor, you're like, I don't care. This dragon armor that I already have is better. And that kind of holds true for these games where it can make the early game really not entertaining. I kind of don't really care that the pre-order bonus is one-time use because normally I don't pre-order games. I only happen to buy this like a day early because I found a good deal on it. But I'm kind of surprised so many people are angry about their pre-order bonus not mattering because that just hints to me people bought this for the pre-order bonus. And that's kind I mean, of... it, it, it is shitty, I think. But at the same time, I'm in your boat where I really don't care because I don't want that in the first place. Like, same thing with you. I got the game early for, like, 25% off. That's why I got it. I didn't get it for the pre-order bonus, because I don't give a fuck. But at the same time, it feels really shitty to have this be such a big media point right now for the game, when it really does feel like Eidos put a ton of 
good, honest work into a what seems to be a great game. And all anybody's talking about with the launch is that it has a really shitty pre-order practice. And that'll I, probably force up on them by Square Enix. I think it goes beyond the pre-order practice. I think what it, everyone's actually mad about is the cash shop in-game and how you can buy a lot of single-use items in-game. Yeah, that's, that is so fucked up. And that kind of it's in the same vein as the pre-order bonus where you can only use it once. And yes, like that is completely fucking inexcusable. Yes, that needs to be criticized. But what I think people need to understand is that if you're not a complete fucking moron, don't ever pay for that ever if the game sucks because you don't have those fucking bonuses then it sucks i honestly i kind of feel the same way when i played through dead space 3 everyone was talking about the in-game cash shop i never paid attention to it because the whole game was designed around not needing the cash shop and it felt like that the cash shop is only for people who don't want to play the game at least that was the case of dead space 3 i don't know what it's gonna be like in human revolution mankind divided Mankind of, yeah, I mean, unless, you know, people use it to get through the hardest difficulty where you only live once, if you can just buy microtransactions to get through that and get whatever little achievement you want from it, then I guess there you go. But that's ridiculous. Yeah, it blows my mind, too, because the game has difficulty settings. So why don't you just play it on the easiest mode where the game is probably piss easy? Part of me is saying it just comes with AAA games now. You can easily ignore it. But another part of me is saying, you know, it needs to be brought to attention. They need to be criticized for this because this is just continuing a trend that's only going to get worse. That is my worry. That AAA games will start coming out that do have bullshit difficulty, but then have an in-game cash shop on top of costing $60. That's not true with this game, which is why I'm willing to just ignore it. But that's the worry in the back of my mind. It's like, okay, what if Deus Ex human evolution or whatever they want to call the next one, you know, August for life. <laughs> what if that one has one difficulty setting that's ridiculously hard. And every time you die, it loads up a link with an ad to the cash shop that says 99 cents for a Praxis kit. That's already the case in a lot of games. Well, a lot of those games are like free to play though. And yeah. as soon as I see those in a freemium game, I'm like, I check out, I don't play it anymore. Mm-hmm. But if I paid 60 bucks for a game and then that happened, I'd be furious. I am happy that people are uh, reviewing against it somewhat. Like it, similar to how I was saying how like Hitman is getting ragged on too hard. I do think it's totally fair that a game is getting so many negative reviews for all the bad things surrounding it as just a way of sending a message to the developer saying, "Hey, fuck this." Similarly to how this new Deus Ex is getting really bad reviews because of all these practices, those reviews are probably going to affect other people's decision to buy the game. And if it becomes clear to publishers that if we keep doing this, gamers are going to talk other gamers out of buying our game, we should stop doing it. Review scores can implicate even more things than they used to, such as just the practices around the game itself. And yeah, this is one game that's had a lot of shittiness surrounding it, starting out with the original pre-order bonus and all that crap. Yeah, that's true. They dropped all that after getting knocked so hard. And then they just kind of found other ways to do it. Yeah. Like, on one hand, I really do think it's a shitty practice, but I also get the uh, production company's desire to further monetize games because when I was a kid, you could get, like, Chrono Trigger or Secret of Mana for 60 bucks, And obviously those games cost way less to make than Deus Ex, which also costs 60 bucks at release. It's like they were almost immune to inflation, which is nice as a consumer. But logically speaking, I can understand why a production company would want to further monetize games. I don't mind them necessarily trying this stuff out and seeing that it doesn't work. As long as they get the message, as soon as they can find the right way to do whatever. I mean, yes, that sounds like a shitty compromise excuse. Honestly, part of me would rather pay even more money for a, a really good game mind you, 
I'd be willing to pay more games just to have none of this bullshit be a part of it at all. Like Bloodborne 2, for instance, I dropped... Even not saying that Bloodborne 1 had any of the bloodshit. B- bullshit. Bloodshit. <laughs> God, that'd be terrible. <laughs> but I'm just using Bloodborne 2 as an excuse because I think that's a game that I'd really like. I'd be willing to pay extra money just to ensure that it's a really high-quality product with no bullshit in it. It's a complex issue that a lot of people want to boil down to a really simple, this is bullshit. Usually I'm willing to forgive the kind of things that Deus Ex is pulling as long as it is completely unavoidable. I mean, not completely unavoidable. (laughs) As long as it's completely, yeah, I get as, lo- as long as it rapes my wallet as hard as possible, as long as I get to give them as much money as possible is what I'm saying, I really appreciate it then. As long as the Square Enix board comes in and holds me down and fucks my wife in front of me, I'm completely okay with that. Precisely. Uh, okay, what I meant to say, obviously, is that I, I like it when, in the case of Dead Space 3, which I'm not necessarily saying was a good game, all the freaking out over the in-game microtransactions, it did not affect that game in any way whatsoever. As long as that is the case, as long as... There is a game to it that I can appreciate that I never feel incentivized to drop money on stupid shit like one-use items. Then I'm okay with it existing there for the fucking idiots who don't know how to install Cheat Engine and use that. Because that's what you do. We used to have these things called cheat codes, you know. Whenever I read a fucking media outlet such as Gawker who would write something stupid like, no, it's totally okay because not everybody has time to play these games. Sometimes people just need to be able to get through hard parts. We had things called cheat codes. What happened to cheat codes? That was the go-to for these situations. They can still exist. Why don't they still exist? Yeah, when you got to the last level of Brood War and realized how fucking bullshit it was, you would just put in power overwhelming. Correct. So you could see the fucking end cutscene. That's the problem is a lot of this stuff that they want to monetize, it means taking away from the game. Monetizing alternate costumes means taking alternate costumes away from the game. And mod support. Right, and mod support is a big one, too. Like, I remember mod support used to be huge. Like, a ton of games used to have it. Now it feels like only Bethesda games have it. And they only have it because if they took it out, they knew that people would probably kill them. Yeah. Games like Quake 3 Arena, all the hype around those games was the modding. That's what kept those games alive. And now it's unheard of. I see developers are still trying to bait people in by saying, no, we do allow modding. Or, like, in the case of the new Doom, we have this thing called Snap Map where you can still make your own content, but only based around the boundaries we give you. And that way you don't accidentally steal money for shit that we want to monetize in the future. Correct. Like, if we want to make a DLC map campaign, well, we don't want competition. That's free. Most bigger publishers only allow modding when it's in their favor in terms of... When they're using it as a marketing gimmick. Like, for instance, the new Unreal, the whole draw of that game is the game is free, all you have to pay for is the assets to make more content for it. But other than that, the game is free. So in a way, they monetize the modding for the game, but they make the game free, which is really smart. I actually love that. But uh, video games have changed. Yeah. Closing on my thoughts on Deus Ex is I still anticipate it'll be a good game. The small taste I have of it is showing promise. Uh, I'm just going to continue to try to ignore all that bullshit. And once I am done with the game and have my hopefully happy thoughts about it, then I'll read more about all the scummy shit surrounding it. That's the thing with this kind of stuff is I have to make it a point to try not to read news around a game while I'm playing it because I don't want news like this to sour my idea of a game. Square Enix is the publishing company and it's pretty obvious they have no idea how to make money because there's no sequel to Chrono Trigger. You fucking pieces of shit. It also seems like Square Enix is constantly fumbling with their random monetization practices. Yeah. Everyone hates Square Enix, but I honestly got to say, out of all the big publishers out there, Square Enix is one of the better ones. 
That is, I don't really have any ill will towards them. They do pre-order DLC and DLC packs and season passes and all that shit like everyone else does. But besides all that, Square Enix still tends to put out good games when they're not making Hitman Absolution. They're making good games. I haven't played the new Tomb Raiders, but, you know, it sounds like that new one that it came out with was actually legitimately good, if not for the fucking in-game cash shop. They're putting the worst types of monetization in their single-player games. Thus far, it seems like it's completely avoidable if you want it to be. So I'll put them above EA and Ubisoft and WB and all these other publishers doing far worse things, such as putting out completely unplayable ports on PC. Right, yeah. like That shit is like inexcusable to me. Just fucking... If you're going to port it, make sure it works. That's yeah. really worse. Make sure there's a playable game there, first and foremost. It's sad that that is now a thing that makes it worth championing a fucking publisher like Square Enix, but they did that. I turned on Deus Ex and it fucking worked on my computer and didn't crash. Unlike Hitman, which was also Square Enix, but you know, good on Deus Ex so far. Alright. I'm good. Are you good? I'm good. Okay. Um, I guess I'll throw out a new story. Facebook is teaming up with Unity to create a desktop gaming platform. Basically, they're making their own Steam service sort of thing, and I assume it's going to be fucking Farmville and all that kind of bullshit. What they said is basically if they're trying to reach out to people who play games on mobile platforms. So they're basically making a mobile game store for the desktop PC, and they're trying to monetize off of that. And to them, uh, go ahead, Godspeed. I don't give a fuck. I don't think anyone who isn't a middle-aged soccer mom gives a fuck. I have to wonder if, like, that means if you're playing something on the Facebook DRM app, do they get a cut? Like, Steam gets a cut from every microtransaction? Because that might be the reason why they want to do this. Uh, probably. I don't know what kind of pressure this could possibly put on Origin, Steam, or good old games. At least it's there, I guess. Hopefully it doesn't influence those services to start putting shitty games on theirs. Because, uh I mean, on the bright side of looking at maybe all the shitty developers who put garbage on, like, Steam Greenlight will just go to Facebook and put it on their service because it'll, like, make more money there and be more acceptable. I don't know. Maybe, you know, how we've always been talking about how Steam needs, like, a filter for all the crappy oh indie games. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, maybe, yes. maybe maybe they'll be like, you know what? We can put this on Steam and get shit on, or we can put it on Facebook's thing and be praised. So we'll do that instead. Fucking, I love you, Facebook. Please do that. We yeah. need you. You're our hero. Right. You're our Dark Knight. I mean, not really. I fucking hate you, but if this makes other platforms better, then by all means, go for it. Another story. Images of the new PS4 Slim leaked. Honestly, it just looks like a fucking PS4, except instead of sharp, pointy edges, it's, like, rounded. It's two-thirds the size of the PS4. The news that did matter to me alongside this was two things. One, PlayStation Now is coming to PC. I don't particularly care for that service, but they're doing exactly what I predicted they were going to do. They're going to be making a desktop presence. And two, they're making a wireless adapter for the DualShock 4 for PC via USB. And I'm actually really happy about that because the DualShock 4 is my controller of choice when playing on PC. Maybe this USB adapter, the wireless adapter, will only work with PlayStation Now. I'm hoping it'll just make the PS4 easier to use on a Windows platform. That'd be really nice because every time I try and... I, I always feel like it's such a hassle to use DS4 to get the controller to work. It is. It doesn't always work with games. Like, it didn't work with yeah. uh, Dark Souls 3 at first. I had to fuck with it a shit ton to get it to work. And yeah, I and hope it makes it just... Because the Xbox controller is fucking easy to use. If this attachment makes it just as easy to use the DS4 as the Xbox One controller, 
uh, sold day one yeah. purchase. I bet you did the same thing. You always fucking forget to turn on DS4 before yes. you. Yes, yeah. and then you got to close out of the fucking entire game, yep. and sometimes you have to reboot the PC for God knows what reason. So, I, and I agree with you. The I think the DS4 is well. First off, I think all the current gen controllers are really fucking good. I like all, I like the Xbox One controller. I like the Pro controller for the Wii U, but I love. I love the DS4 controller. It is amazing, in my opinion. Agreed. So, uh, you want to talk about the lawsuit thing with sure. John Carmack? Yeah, right. so Zenimax is in a long, drawn-out lawsuit with Oculus Rift, Facebook, and Zenimax has filed an amended complaint against VR and specifically mentioned John Carmack of Doom by name. And it, it's, in my opinion, this is pretty fucking heavy what they're alleging which is instead of complying with his contract during his last days at Zenimax he copied thousands of documents from a computer at Zenimax to a USB storage device he never returned those files or all copies of them after his employment with Zenimax was terminated in addition after Carmax employment with Zenimax was terminated he returned to Zenimax's premises to take a customized tool for developing VR te- technology belonging to Zenimax that itself is part of Zenimax's VR technology. That just sounds like straight up fucking theft. Yeah, I think this has actually been going on for a long time. It uh, has been. Like I think he was like alleged over a year and a half now I think, but yeah, yeah, these things have been alleged, but I don't think there's been like a full-blown court case about it yet. But yeah, there's been a lot of legal shit going on at Oculus for a long time. Thank God I'm not too interested in the Oculus Rift. Yeah, uh, I do like John Carmack, though. I think he's pretty cool. <laughs> well, if what they're alleging is true, uh, I wouldn't care that John Carmack is getting fucked over because despite him being pretty cool, he'd be fucking over himself because he's the one that did well, it. Well, I think he did respond to it and claim he did not do this. Zenimax is a pretty shitty company, and it would not surprise me at all that they were trying to basically entrap him or fuck him over. I would like to hope that's the case, but the Oculus Rift was John Carmack's baby, even though he got funding through Zenimax to build it, and it's technically their property, and legally, it's theirs. This just sounds kind of like a lot of personal drama possibly blowing up into a fucking court case. They do have a legal standing of, you know, getting what's theirs. And... Also, it could just be Zenimax wants to make this as big and threatening as possible for an easy payout. Who knows? But hopefully, hopefully things work out for the best. I'd hate to see him go to jail because he's nice and all, but at the same time, if he did it, he kind of fucked himself over there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hope whoever was right in this case gets declared the winner. I'm hoping John Carmack isn't as much of a douche, is what I'm saying. Right. I, think, be, I, yeah. I would I'd like to think he did not pull a gawker and do something that he knew was completely illegal. All this fucking contract law is convoluted and shitty, but yeah, I agree I mean, with you that like considering it, Oculus just went straight to Facebook though, maybe they're just really bad at picking business partners. <laughs> that could be it. That's the end. The end. Another Metroid two remake, you know, the thing that got shut down by Nintendo. Yep. The guy who was making it, he recently released an update on his forums. So basically the game was up for download again. <laughs> I don't think he had permission to do this, but wow, I kind of, I kind uh, yeah, I kind of admire his row, row, fight the power sort of mentality to this. I, I can't remember what you said about, but something you said on this podcast that I strongly agree with. If a target audience wants something bad enough and it's not being made, somebody is going to make it. So fuck you, Nintendo, for not doing this yourselves. And I've looked more into this remake, and it's really well done, so 
Yes, row, row, fight the power. I, I don't think this guy's making money off of it. You know, I just don't care. He's making something awesome, and I want to see it. So fuck everybody who wants it to get shut down. Go there, fuck there's yourself. Technicality, like, there's an argument that he may not be making money, but he's costing Nintendo money. Yeah. My argument to that is fuck Nintendo. They're screwing over Metroid fans, and like, sure, legally they might be in the right. They have a right to defend their. Yeah, but they're not using their IP, and they can go fucking screw themselves until yeah. they make me a real goddamn Metroid game. Me, Andrew specifically, I want them to make a game just for me, just me. Screw I mean, everybody else. Let the guy do. I mean, and what could, what could this guy encourage? What could this encourage? It could encourage more people to make better fucking Metroid games than Nintendo can apparently make. You mean people will make more cool things even if it's illegal? I don't really fucking care if it's cool. I want it. I don't. Jesus, like if Nintendo wants to make money off of it, make it themselves. I don't want to encourage him to destroy his fucking life, but the fact that he's doing it, good for everyone who wants to see it. And plus, isn't there like ground for like Nintendo to like look at this and be like? Hey, we really like this. We want to buy it from you and then like fix it up themselves or maybe hire him as an employee, make a contract deal with him where he gets so much money out of every fucking sale because he pretty much single handedly developed it and then just sell it themselves on the fucking like market. I really think Nintendo as an entire company would benefit if all these fan projects are shutting down. They just backed and then basically make the message say, hey, if you can make really good things with ROPs, we'll back you. And mm-hmm. if you do shitty with them, then we'll shut you down. But if you make good ones, we'll make you official. We'll make our fans happy. We'll make you happy. We'll make ourselves happy. We'll make everyone happy. Yeah, I'm sure in that regard, there might be a law somewhere that makes that so they can't do that. But I'm just saying, like, ideally, it's like Nintendo doesn't even know what their fans want anymore. Like, they kind of know what their fans want, but then they fuck it all up by making it a goddamn first-person shooter instead of releasing a fucking sequel to a series that's beloved or giving a sequel to a franchise with really shitty controls. But nope, they'll just fucking sit around and jerk off their dicks and come out a new Mario game every fucking year. <laughs> fuck that shit. Play original, make something good and actually talented and not screw it up. Nope, we're Nintendo. We can't do that. Fuck uh, you guys. I hate you. I don't think Federation Force is being received too well. Yeah, because it's a piece of shit. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Wow, I have no idea where this is coming from. Uh, every time we talk about Metroid, you get angry. That is true. <laughs> Understandably. Come on, guys. You can do you can do more than, what, five 2D games? Please. Just... How but much of these games... But Andrew, they can't, they can't think of any ways to innovate on it. You know, Nintendo, been, Nintendo's been, all about innovation. Been, they can't just they can't just make good games anymore because nobody likes those. It's been those. 10 years. It's been t- over 10 fucking years. Go fuck yourself. We're going to release Super Metroid 2, except the catch is here comes this controller. You have to strap it around your waist. It's basically a giant dildo, and you have to wave your hips around. Control Samus by waving your by dick. By hula hooping. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, what I heard is that it will come with a giant metal sphere, and every time you want to go into the ball form, you actually have to, you yourself, crawl into the sphere. Oh, sick. And then you get to roll around your living room in somersaults. And get really fucking sick and then vomit all over yourself while you destroy your carpet, your couch, your TV. While we're talking about Nintendo, uh, did you hear what the Nintendo NX is supposed to be now? Apparently, it's like this giant metal cage that you get in. And it has like four wheels on it and this like these two pedals that you use to make it go. And like this this giant wheel that you can turn to move it around. It It doesn't even sound like a video game console anymore. No, I did not hear that, but I completely believe it. All right, I'll, now we can I'll, I'll believe every single thing you tell me about the NX until I know what it is, because fuck them for still not revealing what the fucking thing is in the fucking end of August. 
And I seriously fucking thought this was going to be the month we find out. And granted, we still have exactly one more week for this month. But Nintendo, what the fuck? It's becoming a joke almost. Like, at first, it was like, wow, they haven't announced it yet. Man, they're really pushing it. Jeez, they should be announcing it now. And now it's just a giant fucking joke. Like, seriously. Like, are they just going to announce it the day it comes out and then nobody's going to buy it and then they're going to consider it a flop and go bankrupt? It started to seem that way. The one reason I can believe that they would not be talking about it is... Something I think Shigeru Miyamoto said, which is he's worried about imitators if they announce it too soon. And I actually just I forgot to mention this when I was bringing up the Sony news. Um, Sony did announce they're making a new portable a successor to the PS Vita. Oh, nice. So, you know, I expect it's probably just going to be a stronger Vita. It'll be to the Vita as the Vita was to the PSP. But I'm also wondering, maybe now that the documentation on the NX is out, Sony kind of just absorbs all the things that succeed about other devices and just kind of slaps it all together impressively they roll everything together in one package very conveniently but i know sony was just waiting for nintendo to reveal their shit so they could be like okay we're gonna build this into a device that's actually practical and (laughs) market it to people who are upset with whatever nintendo is doing i'm starting to think they're probably not going to release the nx as early as they say next year it's probably going to be a fall release at the rate they're going about it yeah, it definitely seems like, that way. The reality is they're having a lot of last-minute decisions. Maybe they saw when uh, there was the leak and they saw people were responding. They're like, oh, shit, people aren't actually going to like this that much. The latest leak, I actually don't mind it nearly as much as I mind that loud fucking engine. But That happens to be on schedule every week. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious at this point. Uh, I, that guy probably just got gets off work every day and drives his fucking douchebag movie all around. Yeah. What the fuck Maybe his job is to drive that douchemobile around. Oh, I don't know. We were talking about the NX and that completely... De- yeah, the leaked image didn't really bug me that much. Like, I thought it could be... As long as the remotes work and they're comfortable and the games are good, I have no... You know, my only worry would be, like, kind of what you have with the Wii U now, where they're not willing to cut the price. That could be a problem. But I, I don't see any reason why the NX, with what's been leaked at this moment, is shitty, per se. Uh, yeah, even like third-party developers like 2K, and I think even, well, I actually have an article open I wasn't going to bring up, but I'll, I'll read it now. It says, Electronics Arts speaks about its Nintendo NX plans. So Nintendo is such an instrumental part of the whole industry. They deserve to be successful, and they deserve to be a major player in the business, given their pedigree. It's not only the machines they've built, but also the IPs they brought to the market. There are very few companies like Nintendo. Whenever they bring something to the market that we see an addressable market for, we'll be there. Given that they haven't announced a new console officially or shown it, I can't comment specifically, which is oddly high praise from EA considering they kind of just shit all over the Wii U when Nintendo refused to put Origin on the thing. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, uh, EA wanted to have some special partnership with Nintendo, but they wanted their fucking online service to be the online service, and Nintendo was like, no, fuck you. And then EA was like, well, no, fuck you, and then they didn't put all their shitty games on their console because they To lost. be fair... At this point, I kind of would rather have Origin on Nintendo's hardware than what they're using now. I honestly wouldn't. I mean, if you're talking about the infrastructure, like, I don't think what EA actually wanted was, like, all of Nintendo's games to use Origin. Maybe that was the case. I think what they wanted was just their own games to be Origin. On the store side, it's a complete fucking disaster, but in-game, I actually like how simple the online is in games like Super Smash Bros. and Mario Kart even though it's lacking in like community features, I really don't give a shit because I don't buy Nintendo games for that. And I like that it's free. I would rather have it be free and shitty than $60 a year. Yeah, but it still needs some improvements, like transitioning from one console to the other, like transitioning from 
the 3DS to the new Nintendo 3DS was a bitch. Like, yeah, but I don't think EA would handle that any better, honestly. Uh, EA is yeah. constantly, they're constantly changing their platforms. Like, I don't even think they're using Battlelog anymore, this big thing that they forced Battlefield players to use for the last three Battlefield games and kept shoving it down everyone's throat, even though nobody wanted it. And now it looks like with Battlefield 1, it has its own launcher. So, way to go. <laughs> That's just the way of EA. You want this, you want this, you want this. No, we don't, no, we don't. Yes, you do, yes, you do. Eat it. Okay, fuck. Come back, come back. We'll get rid of it. Maybe the anniversary, the one-year anniversary of our podcast will be when we finally get to talk about the NX. <laughs> but That'd like, be amazing if it was timed perfectly for episode 52. Yeah, uh, let's be real here. It, it won't be. I honestly don't think it's going to come until probably next year at the rate they're going. <laughs> no I have, joke. I have no fucking idea. Okay, uh, here's a game announcement that kind of piqued my interest. It's a survival sandbox game in the same vein as H- oh, H1C1. What? what? I, I, I know, crazy. It sounds like all those fucking games, DayZ, H1Z1, but both the developer and the publisher involved are ones I respect. The publisher is Devolver Digital, who also put out the Hotline Miami series, and they tend to put out lots of really high-quality, innovative indie games, sort of. I like them for that Mm -hmm. reason. The developer is Crow Team, who is famous for the Serious Sam series, and they recently put out the Talus Principle, which was another game that was very well received. Yes. So I like them as a developer. They're working on Serious Sam 4. They announced the Serious Sam VR game at E3. The name of the game is called Scum. And basically you play as a prisoner on an island with a bunch of other prisoners. And they implied it's, well, it's pure marketing and PR, but basically they're hyping it up saying the systems in Scum are astounding and we believe it'll raise the bar of what is expected in a modern survival game moving forward. Characters, environments, and even the player's knowledge base are all dynamic and the changes in the game can greatly affect the hierarchy of the island. So basically what I'm getting from this is a developer and a publisher I like are making a survival sandbox game and are intending it to be really good. The survival Boom. sandbox zombie game is, I think part of the reason why I've played those games or buy those games a lot is because it's a very appealing pitch to a game um and it sounds like it could it, every time i get like my imagination runs wild and i think this could be a good game and then it's not but there's definitely a a good company with the right ideas could come along and make something really fucking good out of that kind of game uh it just needs to happen yeah uh, i'm reading it's being built with under four and uh See, feature complex character customization, interactive story, and a large amount of AI-controlled actors who are competing with you. Hmm. Game utilizes a skill-based system that requires you to watch and work with it. So maybe this is actually more of a single-player thing. Probably have both. With any kind of game in this genre, I'm not going to fucking even think about putting money towards it until it's out. Like, actually out, and we know it's good, or it has something special about it. But I want to give this a chance because of the talent behind it. Devolver Digital and Crow Team, that's a good combination. I like you're playing as a prisoner on an island full of prisoners. This is a uh, concept that has been done in movies. I don't think a game has really done this yet, at least not in this genre. Uh, so that's something potentially different. That's all I'm going to say. I-, I wanted to say this because everyone else responded to this. Great, another one of these games. Who gives a shit? But it's like, no, no, these guys are actually good. So maybe they'll do good. For Crow Team, they've never made a game like this before, but that kind of makes me more excited for it. So there you go. Uh, were there other news stories you wanted to have? Because I had a few more I could roll out. Dark Souls 3, Ashes of Arendelle, was announced with a little cinematic trailer. Didn't show any gameplay, but I really like Dark Souls 3, and I really, really fucking liked uh, The Lost Hunters, or whatever it was called, from Bloodborne's DLC. That might be one of the best DLC packs I've ever played, period. 
So if they have that level of quality or even half of that level of quality with this DLC, I'm super excited for it. I know you haven't really played Dark Souls very much, have you? You never really got into it. I, I never picked it back up. I mean, yeah, I that, that is exactly how I put it. I never got into it. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't get sucked in like I did the other Souls games. Yeah, I'm sure there will come a day when you will pick it back up again and you'll allow yourself to be sucked in, but I'm excited for this DLC announcement. Enough time has passed since I beat Dark Souls 3 that I'd love to go back and play for a little bit longer, so uh, it looks cool. Not, okay. not, not much really to say other than it's announced, I'm excited, and it looks cool. You're crossing over into the Bloodborne universe. Oh, God, no, stop. Wait, say it again, but slower. <laughs> you cross over into the Bloodborne oh, universe. Yes. Oh, fuck. Okay. All right. You know, actually, I would also like it if it crossed over into the Demon Souls universe. Maybe the final DLC for Dark Souls 3 will be the Demon Souls universe, the Dark Souls universe, and the Bloodborne universe all convene together, mm. and you oh, fight, fuck, and, yeah. and you have to fight some mega boss that like combines aren't seen in smog, and they like try to take control over the entire Souls universe. I hope, I still hope that's the thing. They weren't the boss in Dark Souls Three, the final boss, but. It's still like Advanced Smog make like one more final fuck you appearance in like the last DLC, and they just make them so impossibly hard that it just becomes something to marvel at. Uh, two more news stories that I had. I might even just delete this one from the recording because I really don't give a shit about it. I just think it's funny because it's got so many people angry. I didn't even know this was a thing, but apparently Counter-Strike Global Offensive professional teams have coaches, and Valve has restricted coaches to only be allowed to communicate with the team during halftime and breaks and, you know, before, after. But basically, coaches are no longer allowed to communicate with the team members while they're playing a game. To me, this just seems like fucking common sense because shouldn't it just be between the fucking players? Yeah. Like, I understand that now that esports is this big thing. I understand the point of a coach. I understand, like, a, a very experienced player teaching the rest of the team how to play. But this idea that a coach is one of the players and needs to be on the fucking stage with the rest of them just seems like fucking horseshit to me. As we all know, esports is very much, a, you know, these games are very much a sport. So I'm going to compare it directly to another sport that is on equal footing because they're the same thing. And that's NFL football. To my knowledge, I mean, like, I think they have like a headset but that they talk to each other with. But during the actual play, the coaches don't really do much. Like, that's a good they point. talk before the play, after the play, they do. Um, but then you have baseball where the coaches are actively usually communicating through hand signals with their pitching staff. So uh, it's kind of hard to say there isn't really precedence when it comes to, you know, other sports that are equal and the same, like an eSports game is, like StarCraft II, which is the equivalent of soccer. That seems kind of game-breaking, because I thought that it, usually there's a team leader who makes the call-outs, because in Counter-Strike, even when you die, you can still communicate with your fucking team. So I figured the team leader would be the kind of coach, but apparently there are just extra members who are just standing around telling other people what to do, and that just seems totally fucked up and needless in a competitive setting. When you're not competing, go ahead, have a coach who teaches you how to play the game as a team, but I don't think the coach is part of the fucking team. To read some of these comments, new coaching rule is pathetic. Valve was never good at pushing CSGO forward, but why send it rolling back downhill any further? I agree, they're probably going to hurt the fucking player base with this. They're probably going to upset all the players. I'm sure most of their players don't like this because they're all a bunch of esports circle-jerking douchebags. But it sure makes me happy. <laughs> Fuck you. I'll be honest. In the end, I really doesn't matter because both teams have that position available. Can you imagine like people speedrunning Super Mario Brothers and having a coach yell at them while they're doing it? Oh, God, that'd be awesome. Remember to wall jump. You got a wall jump. Come on, man. You can do it. Take, take the far left pipe. Far left pipe. Stay focused. I guess uh, on the final note I can say about this is 
I can understand the blowback if this was something that was accepted up until now. Obviously, they gave a pass to this. They said it was okay, and this became the norm for the competition. But now that they're putting this new rule in effect, it's going to dramatically change yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing that gets me. It's like it feels like where's the controversy? What's what's the reasoning behind it? Both yeah, teams have access to it. This is like another uh, member team player slot, pretty much. And coaches are huge. Coaches are super fucking important on teams. So uh, it doesn't matter really. Their, their quote is: "Since the goal of our events is to identify the best five player CS teams and exhibit the best combination of all CS skills." The current participation of coaches in the game is not compatible with that goal. You know what? Yeah. I agree. That's acceptable. Well, and you know, I, like, I get that reasoning, but at the same time, it's like, they, like I said, they don't need to make this change because there's at six, you know, six person, and both teams had it, and that's what the meta was up until now. And changing it, honestly, is really only going to piss off really fucking dumb people. But really fucking dumb people are the people that like esports in the first place. So you're just pissing off your target audience by doing this, dude. So the bottom line is, this is a business practice. This is a really dumb idea, but as standards for competitive video games, it's a good thing. Yeah. Because and I'll be, I'll be completely honest, as long as esports continue to maintain or grow, um, this, this change won't matter. It will go away. Take my opinion and throw it in the fucking trash if you actually care about this. Because to me, when I play Counter-Strike, there isn't a fucking extra person who isn't playing and is just sitting in a spectator mode telling everyone what to do. That's not how 99.9% of people play fucking Counter-Strike. So I don't see a fucking problem. If you're going to have professional teams competing for money, you might as well have them fucking play the game the way everyone else does because it just makes it more relatable. Cool. I just want to watch the world burn. And that's what Valve is doing with CSGO right now. On a side note, they're actually fucking up the game with really stupid updates and not fixing other problems. Every time they update the game, they fuck up a bunch of things. They added this new update that changed all the sounds of the weapons, which honestly, I kind of saw a reason behind it was to make certain weapon noises more identifiable. So in a competitive sense, it made sense, even though the weapons sound like fucking shit now. On another note, they keep fucking things up. Like now, like maps have broken spawns where you'll like spawn into a fucking ceiling and stuff like that. And oh, it just, God. It's completely fucking ridiculous that this game has been out for this long and they're actively destroying the game with updates without fixing important things like spawning and whatnot. Yeah, just esports, circle jerking. Bottom line, change is good. Your favorite players might lose now because of this. What do you fucking do? That makes it more interesting. Suck my dick. Change is terrible and frightening. What are you talking about? Uh, okay. Final big news story. Saved it for the last. I already told you this. Allison Road is back. Yes. Uh, really quick before we get too excited. When you first told me this, I didn't realize it. Uh, and it's something I found out later. It's back-ish. It now has a development team of one person. So it's back with a release date of 2027. Did he ever come out and say why he scrapped it? It was a really generic reason. Creator Christian Kessler announced that Allison Road was being revived in a statement to IGN. Kessler stated that he was going to be creating the game under a new label called Far From Home that he and his wife co-founded. According to the article and his Facebook post made on the official Allison Road Facebook profile, Kessler took some time away from Allison Road after the cancellation was announced. After the time away, he went back and looked at all the work that he had done and started making a few changes to the story, some new drawings and layouts, and quickly picked up where he left off. He describes some of the feelings when coming back to work on it as follows. It almost felt like coming home, coming home to a place you've never really left. So it really sounds to me like when he canceled it, he was just kind of like, fuck this, I need a break. Good. Yes, it's another one of those games, but as we said before, it seemed like it had potential to be one of those good kind of games, as in it would scare the living fuck shit out of you. Yeah. I noticed that in like, the teaser videos, they never had you run away and hide behind a box, which is great. Yeah. 
Like, if you're going to make a very minimalist survival horror game, at least have the disease to scare the living shit out of you in really fucking horrifying, ingenious ways. But anyway, I am happy Allison Road is back, and I'm happy Gawker is dead. Yay. And I hope the NX isn't shitty, as always. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully it's better than this podcast. Uh, because this podcast is great and blessed by America and the is. Chinese Communist Party. And I was listening to another podcast where the host was talking about how most podcasts are complete bullshit, where it's just a bunch of people whining about video games or something. And yep. I took offense to that because, in reality, our goal isn't to make ourselves feel better. It's about making everyone else feel better and make them pity us and be thankful that they're not us. Yeah, that's really and what it comes down to. At least when we whine, we whine with uh, class and no shame. Yeah, and, and with a background. We, yeah, we, I've been playing we, video games since I was, like, three. And, and we get our ass kicked in real life every day in a really shitty job. So, fuck you. You're right. I like to bitch about video games. It's how I relieve stress. If you like this podcast... Or any of our podcasts. Sincerely, thank you. Seek medical attention immediately. I know you don't think you need it, but you listen to us. You need it. Hey, Ryan, where can they find our podcast if they already know where it's at? I'm so fucking depressed. Oh, dude, that's the, we didn't talk about the fan meetup. That was a, that was so much fun, guys. Um, I really appreciate everybody that showed up over the weekend, meeting everybody in person that like enjoys listening to us. It's really great to put a face to that audience. I'm. I know we don't really have like the biggest audience or anything, but just to know that you guys get some enjoyment out of us, just basically me and Ryan bullshitting and having fun with each other, it really makes this all the more worthwhile. Uh, sincerely, thank you to all of you. It was great. Yeah, it was nice to have that 100% turnout rate for our meetup. One of the other attendees that night claimed that he might go home and listen to our podcast. So uh, if you're listening to this, Jacob, suck my dick, you asshole. Also, thank you, and suck my dick. You can subscribe, stream, or download our podcast via the RSS feed on explosionofhappiness.com. You can also find the podcast on iTunes or stream our content through YouTube on the channel Explosion of Happiness. That'll be it. Thank you for listening. And until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye. beer because you don't have to work the next two days you fucking piece of shit i hate you the sound of an alcoholic beverage being opened and about to be consumed uh no that's not bad you ever had rainy or pale mountain ale yes yeah my uh somebody i know like reverse stepdad he loves rainier so Mm. I mean, it was expensive. I was expecting it to be good. It's it's decent. Don't think it was worth the price. But I'm not a beer snob, so what do I know? I hate beginning podcasts. It's always kind of stressful. Maybe I just get anxiety attacks. Everybody on the internet is currently judging you. That's if you fine. say something remotely sexist, racist, religionist, ableist, heightist, weightist, istist, everybody will hate you, including your parents. They'll disown you. No lives matter, and I hate everything. Ugh, you're such a piece of shit. <laughs> nice. Yes, it was nice. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll ask you what you've been playing. Well, uh...
what the fuck is worth my brain? Jesus <laughs> did, did you did you play I any said, games? <laughs> I said I'm on a roll, and now my brain turned off. as like revenge. Listen, I never get to be happy about things, okay? I never get to play video games I enjoy, and I might be able to enjoy this one, so I'm going to enjoy it. Fuck you. I'll hate myself for enjoying it later once I realize how shitty the publisher is being about it, but fuck you. I just want, I just, I just want to enjoy things. I just want to enjoy. I want to feel, I want to feel joy. Yeah. I'm kind of angry now because now that I play Super Mario, and now that I've, now that I have played through Super Mario, the publisher is Devolver Digital. The developer is Crow Team, and Crow Team is the developer who made the Serious Sam series as well as that puzzle game, that name, I forget. What's it called? Fuck. The, God damn it. I'm going to have to look it up. The ah, Shit. Shit! Another quality podcast. Yay! Um, it's a game that I heard a lot of good things about that I actually intend to play someday, maybe 50 years from now, if I ever it's get It's recording. Uh, it's, uh, let me go through, I'm going through my entire Steam backlog of unplayed games. This is going to take, take a while. Okay, going through the A's, um, the C's, okay, the D's. Oh, I have Daikatana, I should play that. Uh, do, 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 I's, I think it started, no, okay. Um, maybe I should just go to my receipts, because I think it was something I bought recently, like last sale. Um, you know what? I'm 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 just gonna fucking search the developer because I. I know as soon as I read the title, we were like, "God, I'm a fucking idiot." That was so easy to remember. Uh, okay, there we go. 